All right, if you'd take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 5, verse 11. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 11 through 13 tonight. The title of the message is Class in Session. Class in Session. Last week we ended in verse 10 where Solomon warned us of some of the repercussions that come with the sin of adultery, promiscuity. Speaking of the strange woman who once again, the strange woman here in Proverbs, she represents sexual relationships that are forbidden by God. Solomon said in verse 8 through 10 last week, if you look in verse 8, Remove thy way far from her and come not near I'm sorry, not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And Solomon, if you'll remember, he said, don't come near the door of her home. And we learned that Solomon didn't say don't go in her home. He said don't go near the door of her home, showing us that we should take precautions to prevent us from stepping through sin's door. If you go near the door, you may not go in. But if you don't go near the door, you cannot go in. And if you do, Solomon said, you will give your wealth and honor away to others, which we learned about last week, as so many people have learned the hard way, (laughs) who have committed these sexual sins. And now tonight we move on down to verse 11 where Solomon warns us of another sad but common consequence that results from sexual sins. And that is our health. Our health. Solomon said be uh, be careful lest you give your wealth and honor to others verse 11 and thou mourn at the last. Now take your pens if you would please and underscore Thou mourn at the last, or you mourn at the last. At the last. At the beginning of an adulterous relationship, at the beginning of a relationship that's based on fornication, you don't mourn. You smile. You get excited. You get anxiously happy. But you mourn. At the last. That's the way it always is with sin. Sin always gives you a small gain in the beginning. And leaves you with a large deficit in the end. Just think of it like that. Sin gives you a small gain in the beginning. Leaves you with a large deficit in the end. What would you do if a wealthy man walked through those back doors right now? said, excuse me, pastor, I have something very important to tell your congregation. And he stepped up here and down, down here at the front. And he said, I will be handing out $100 bills tonight to anybody who wants one as soon as service is over. I'll be out in the parking lot with the money in hand waiting on you if you want one. And there would be people getting in line for their $100 bill and thinking how nice that rich man is to be handing those out in a time of inflation and all. 
But what if that same man walked in here tonight and he came down here and he said, I'll be handing out $100 bills to anybody who wants one after service. I'll be out here in the parking lot and I'm only charging $500 for each bill. Well, we'd laugh him out of the church, wouldn't we? And then we'd talk about what a crook that rich man was. But that's exactly what sin does. Here's a kingdom truth. Sin will always cost you more in the end than what it offers you in the beginning. Sin will always cost you more in the end than what it offers you in the beginning. Sin will give you a smile at the first, but it will give you tears at the last. I couldn't help but think of old Esau who lost his birthright. He liked the food in the beginning, but he wept bitterly in the end because he didn't like what the food costs. And Solomon is warning us today that the, the man or woman you sleep with may make you smile in the beginning. But you will mourn at the last. If that relationship is outside of God's word. You will mourn at the last. Look back in your text. When thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Sin will eat you up. Sin will consume your flesh and body. Consumed by all the stress that sin causes. You know, stress is a killer. How many of y'all ever suffered from severe stress before? Did it take a toll on your health? You better believe it does. Man, you lose weight? <laughs> Man, it's tough. Sin, uh, stress is a killer. And, and, uh, and, and sexual sins cause extreme stress. In a person's life. I think about King David. And what all he went through. All that stress. Today I was telling my wife. Uh, when I got home from work. Today I learned about. Uh, I can't give any details. But I learned about. Some people I know. And have known quite well over the years. I haven't been around them. Uh, in the past. uh, uh 10, 15 years or so, but but I, at one time I knew them quite well and uh, went to church with them. And it's really sad that uh, I found out that the marriage uh, broke up and they got off into sexual sins. The husband and wife did, definitely the wife. But allegedly the husband also. And uh, <laughs> I learned that last Wednesday, right before our church started, the wife got on Facebook Live and started telling the world about her husband's sexual sins that she herself was involved in. With other people. It's wicked. And she did that. Just to shame him. Even if it meant shaming herself. Just to bring shame and dishonor to him. 
And I started thinking, oh, at the stress they're bringing upon their families right now, upon their children, upon their poor parents, upon themselves when they have to go back to work and face the community. And the divorce brought about by all of the promiscuity. And now the stress is set in. The churning of the stomach, the nerves. Eating you up, consuming your life. Lack of sleep, upset stomach. Heart palpitations. And everything else that goes with it. Why? Sin. It was fun at the first. It was exciting at first. Now they're mourning at the last. Real life example of people I know. And I could tell you so much more than that. And you could too probably. Not only do sexual sins consume the body. The flesh because of all the stress they bring upon your life. For sexual sins consume your flesh but all the sexual diseases they bring upon your life. That's been going on for a long time, hasn't it? Syphilis, AIDS, herpes, gonorrhea, crabs, certain form of hepatitis, now monkeypox. And others are some of the sexual diseases that are caused by sexual sins. You don't want to go outside God's ordained plan for marriage. Did you know that if you follow God's plan for sexuality, if the husband and the wife kept themselves pure until marriage, and reserve themselves for each other. Do you realize all the things that I just mentioned. Except for some mishap. Except for a blood transfusion or something weird. you realize none of those sexual sins would even be an issue? I, I don't worry about them. I'm not worried about sexual sins. Uh, sexual uh, diseases. And if you're following God's word neither should you. Many of these diseases are not curable. They're treatable. Some of them aren't treatable until they do some research and spend billions of your tax dollars on them. But, but, but many are not curable. They have consumed the flesh of many who've been ensnared by sexual sin. I remember years back watching a documentary on a young man who had AIDS and his flesh was consumed, literally consumed by that disease. He was so skinny, so unhealthy. He lost his immune system. He was getting all kinds of uh, diseases because his immune system was shot because of his sexual sins. And even though those who do not die from sexual diseases... Uh, because maybe they get some kind of treatment. They still have lifelong symptoms they have to deal with. Such as painful urination, rashes, strange odors, and the costs, the medical costs, and the, and, and the side effects of the medication. 
Who wants to deal with that for the rest of their lives? Who would commit adultery on their spouse with another woman or another man if they knew this would be the price in the end? I remember listening to a woman speak once who had a sexually transmitted sin. When she was young, she committed fornication with an older man. Seemed exciting at the time. Older man, you know, made her, I guess, feel older and more mature and wanted by some, uh, some man. And now for the rest of her life, she had to deal with the discomfort and the shame of the disease she caught from him. Not curable. Even with today's modern medicines, she would still suffer. The woman said, that man did me so much harm. It was fun in the beginning, but she mourned at the last. It didn't seem harmful in the beginning. Sexual sins almost never seem harmful in the beginning. It didn't seem like it would hurt. It all seemed so fun and exciting when the relationship first began. But like Solomon said, she mourned. You'll mourn in the end, Solomon warned. Take very careful attention to what you're hearing tonight, young people. But you know, like the people I know, they're not young. The ones that just got caught up in all that mess and just now going through divorce, they're not young. They're midlifers. You'll mourn in the end, Solomon said, look in verse 12 and say, How have I hated instruction? You'll say to yourself, My parents told me not to. When you get caught up in that sexual sin and then the weight of the consequences of your choices, your sexual impurity fall on your shoulders. You will say, my parents told me not to. My pastor told me not to. The Bible told me not to. But I hated being told what to do. And now look at the mess I'm in. Because I wouldn't listen to instruction. When we're young and healthy, it's hard for us to imagine life being any other way. When you're young, you, you seem invincible, you know. So when someone tries to warn us about sin, and we, we, we tend to think, oh yeah, I, you know, that's just overly cautious statement. We disregard the warning of sin's great cost so that we may gain its small reward in the beginning thinking oh, it won't cost me in the end I'll be alright you'll mourn saying how have I hated instruction look back in your text and my heart despised reproof now instruction is when you're being taught something especially when you're especially when you're young uh, like a teenager but also when you're older, too. When you're young, you think, I want people to look at me like an adult. 
And so you know what you do when you want people to look at you like an adult? You don't want to be talked to like a child. And so you think, well, you can't tell me anything. I already know. And so you don't want to be talked to like a child anymore. You want the respect of a grown-up, which you're not yet. And so you have the attitude of, can't tell me anything. Don't want to be told anything. But then when you're older, you also have the same proud attitude, just in a different way. When you get older, you think, hey, I'm 40-something years old. I'm 50-something years old. I'm 60-something years old. Or however old it is. You think, I'm a grown man, I'm a grown woman. I know. I've already lived life. You can't tell me anything. You think you're too old to be taught. But as long as we're in this flesh, we're going to need instruction. A little Sabrina today, that young lady, she likes to pick my mind and ask me biblical questions. And she said today, she said, you know, it seems like it's just a constant thing that you just continually have to remind yourself this is not about me, it's about God. It's not about me doing, it's about God doing. And it's not, the focus isn't on us, it's supposed to be on Him. And she just, all this stuff is new to her. And I'm thinking, well, this will go on for the rest of your life. This will go on. I said, it is a constant struggle. Sabrina, you'll have it as long as you have that flesh. And as long as we're in this flesh, we need instruction. And not only to be taught when we're young, but to be corrected when we're old. That's what the reproof is here, where he says, my heart despised reproof. That means I, someone, someone tried to correct me. Someone tried to tell me I was wrong. And I didn't want to be told I was wrong. And so I wouldn't listen to them. I stood my ground to prove that I was right. People don't like being told they're wrong. People don't want to be criticized for their bad behavior. They want to be celebrated for their bad behavior. The... The, the woman that uh, was involved in this mess I was telling you about earlier that I know. She got on Facebook, as so many women do, and uh, when they decide to leave their husbands, and uh, suddenly they become uh, abused, battered women. Battered women. And she gets on there and says, I just realized going to counseling that I have been gaslighted. That I'm, I'm, I've been abused. Now she knows. She didn't know she was abused before. Now she knows she's been abused. And she's coming out as this abused woman. Wanting everyone to rally around her. And feel sorry for her. And one of her own relatives. Her own blood relatives. Got on there and said. Uh, at least she shares her maiden name got on there and said, your husband was not abusive to you. And corrected her. Tried to call her first. Didn't get an answer. So she corrected her publicly where she was making the claim. And the, and the woman responded by saying, ha, 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 shows you what you know. 
She hates reproof. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I want everyone to rally around me and celebrate me. And when I get a new boyfriend, I want you to say, oh, what a beautiful couple. That's the way people are. Nobody wants to be corrected. But you know something? The people who were coming around to that woman's side and haranguing her for being a victim and standing her ground and doing her thing, they didn't love her. The woman who loved her was the one who corrected her. said, you're wrong. You're wrong. People want to be celebrated for their bad behavior. And, 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 and the world is all too ready to give them the approval they seek. I've noticed that about the world. They love to take sides in sexual messes. They love to take sides when the drama unfolds. And to run to one person's aid, to run to the other person's aid. I tell you what, the only side I want to be on is the side of God's Word. And I don't care if you are one of my children. I don't care if you was one of my very next of kin somehow. If you're not if your actions are contrary to God's word, I'm going to stand with God's word and condemn your actions. Reproof is what's needed today. But the people don't want reproof. We need to have a heart that's willing to be corrected. And when we're corrected, to be humble and to bow our head and say, Oh God, I'm so sorry. But the, the world that approves you when you're Sinning is going to be unable to cure you when you're sick. You hear? The world that approves you when you're sinning is going to be unable to cure you when you're sick. They'll celebrate your sin and they will make you out to be a victim when you become ill or when, or when the stress, the fallout of the stress falls on you. But they won't be able to fix the problems in your life that your sin has caused. Notice that there are two teachers in this verse. I told you the title of this message is class in session. There are two teachers in this verse. Number one, the Bible. The scripture. Let's call it the scripture. And number two, the sin. The scripture is the first teacher. The sin is the second teacher. The Bible told them they were wrong. Sin convinced them they were wrong. The Bible told them they were wrong and they rebelled. The sin convinced them they were wrong and they mourned. You see the difference? Here's a kingdom truth. It's better to learn from the scripture than to learn from the sin. Boy, if we could memorize that one. It is better to learn from the Scripture than to learn from the sin. In the end, you'll say, I have despised reproof. Look back in verse 13. And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. Young people, your teachers are people who are wiser than you. 
who have lived longer than you. Doesn't mean they're smarter than you. Doesn't mean they're more intelligent than you. But at this time in life, they're wiser than you and they love you. That's your teachers. Your peers, on the other hand, it, 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 foolish people tend to listen to their peers. Smart people listen to their teachers. Your teachers are people who are wiser than you, that love you. Your peers are people who are as dumb as you and don't love you. Your peers will cheer you when you're headed for trouble. Your teachers will stand in your way to head trouble away from you. Because of the strong temptation sexual sins have, many people disregard God's Word. They disobey its instruction. They say, I don't want to be taught by that. I don't want to be preached to. Isn't that what people always say? I remember being invited to speak at the junior college in Athens one time. And uh, the Southern Baptist woman that headed up the campus ministry there, she said, uh, just don't be preachy. <laughs> oh, man. Just get me started. Don't be preachy. People don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be taught. Solomon said, because of the strong temptation sexual sins have, they'll disobey God's word. They'll reject their teachers. So they'll say, I should have listened. I didn't listen. Look back in the text. Nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. After suffering the consequences of their sins, so many people have cried in the end saying, If only I would have listened. If only I would have taken heed to what my teachers told me, I wouldn't be in this situation right now. So many people have done that. I've done it. Many other people have done it. Sin doesn't give second chances. Once sin becomes your teacher, you can't rewind the clock. You'll either learn by the correction of your teachers, or you will learn by the consequences of your sins. That's simple. It is far better to mourn the correction than to mourn the consequences. With that, we'll go ahead and stop tonight. And take back up in the next verse next Wednesday night. Better to mourn the correction than to mourn the consequences. Correction lasts for a moment. Consequences last a lifetime. Father, we thank you for your precious word. I thank you for those people who came here tonight. And who tuned in tonight and came into our church and sit in our pews by way of their uh, uh, internet and, and device that they're watching on tonight. Thank you, Lord, for setting that time aside so we could come together as a body and pray for one another. And I pray again for every prayer request mentioned tonight. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you'll let this scripture, Lord, I don't want to hear 
about one of my church members falling off into this sin. I don't want to sit and hear their broken hearts because they disregarded your word. I pray you will spare them. I pray that you will let us take heed to your word and to not come near the door that we may not enter in. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Let us learn by your correction and not by the consequences. Amen.